This is Horsin' Around with Broncos insider Andrew Mason. Oh my gosh. Each week, Mace takes you inside the Denver Broncos. I like it. Players, coaches, insiders. Let's go. And of course, with a twist only Mace can provide. Buddy duddies. Now, swag. Here's Orange and Blue 760's Andrew Mason. Horsin' Around for preseason week number two. I'm Andrew Mason here in the palatial, well, soon to be palatial. Right now, it's still kind of under construction. Orange and Blue 760 studio here at the Pat Bowen Fieldhouse at the UC Hill Training Center. With me this week, the esteemed, the one, the only driver of Columbus and Lindahl, Andy Lindahl. The man that drives you nuts. But people love to be driven nuts. That's what you got to do. That's what we're driving, really. Um, I'm noticing your bobbleheads are becoming part of the decorations. Did you approve that, by the way? I mean, we kind of just sort of took your toys out and started playing with them. I brought them here with the intention that they would become part of the scenery. There's more under my desk. The only one that is really valuable to me, like this Demarius Thomas one here, that, and if you watch Orange and Blue Daily, you know what I'm talking about. There's a bobblehead of Demarius Thomas from Super Bowl 50, and there's one of Jake Plummer throwing to Ed McCaffrey from 2003, the one season that they were together. Now, I've got that Demarius one at home through a, a kind of a snafu of shipping. I ended up with two sets, and so I brought some from the redundant set here so we could decorate the studio and the control room and everything. Give it a little Broncos flavor. But the Jake and Ed one, that's my one and only. That so needs to go home. I do get worried about that, but I trust you. Andy. Yeah, but I don't I know that you should. trust you and Tyler. I don't know that you should. Why? Because I could see you and I are demonstrative people. Yes, that's and true. And we talk with our hands. And if you watch Orange and Blue, you'll see that. Yes. And one day I'm going to knock that off, and then I'm going to feel bad. When Jake's head's rolling around on the floor, I'm not going to feel good about it. Or the football's broken off. Or you feel guilty. Yeah. And I'm not telling you that I'm going to do it on purpose because oh, you're my guy. But yeah. I'm just telling you, I know we're going to have one of these discussions that's going to end up knocking the bobbleheads off, and then you're going to be upset. But it does liven up the desk until we get this thing Oh, it's, I, it's great yeah. decoration. I'm just saying, if you've only got one of those, I feel like maybe then you need to go find something else to put in instead. All right, maybe I will. I'm, I'm at, look, I'm looking out for you. I know you. you are. I know you are. I mean, this thing's already precariously close to the edge for me, frankly. And now we're pushing it back. Yeah. And- so it's more towards the middle. Demarius, I've seen Demarius is over there at Keep. We got plenty. Matter of fact, let's just break out some more, some more of the guys under the desk. I think there may be a Brock Osweiler in there. Really? I don't like. I don't know. But now, I, yeah, maybe he's the one we we. <laughs> there's a Ronnie. We Hillman. make a point with. I think there's a Ronnie Hillman too. You know, you're kind of like uh, me with jerseys. You pick up the bobblehead, and the guy seems to go missing from the roster next year. Well, that's... I had a run. You wouldn't believe it. I had a run where every jersey... Because, you know, we do those pregame shows, and they used to give you a jersey with it. Then I yeah. think they figured out Andy's hexing a lot of players. Let's quit giving him jerseys. Who was the last one you hexed? Jap- Champ Bailey. So you wore him in 2013? Well, I, you know how it is. You get to the point where you're like, I got to grab a guy I know is not going anywhere. And I was getting the jerseys of guys that I got to know. I had a Decker. I had it, you know, I had a Cutler because you and, always have to have the quarterback. And Champ is never going out of style. Right. It's a good-looking jersey. It's a good-looking number. So I thought I'm safe with Champ Bailey. That was not. A, that was a bad idea. You know, they're selling them again now on the Broncos 
shop online in the NFL shop. Do we current? They're making new Champ Bailey jerseys. Well, they should. You know, Steve Atwater, God bless him, as you know, just a sweetheart of a guy. When the more you get to know Steve Atwater, the more you, you you struggle to put that personality together with the guy on the field that was scaring anybody within a five yard radius of him, because he's just such a nice guy. I had told him I was having a tough time. I was like, Steve, man. Because he had signed, I originally as a kid got a Steve Atwater jersey, which was my most prized possession. When did you get it, though? During his playing career, like okay. when I was in high school. I thought you were going to say It's one of the oh, old okay. white ones from the Orange Home White Days. I thought you were going to tell me you got it in 1998. No, no, I got that it. that would have been the start. But you did 91. tell me. I do know the story that you did get a jersey on Christmas Elways. 1993. Elways. And the next day... Now Elway did fine, but the next day the Broncos nine and five playoff bound host the four and ten Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Mile High. Well, it helped that the temperature was like fifty seven degrees, so the Bucks were out of their climate danger zone at that point, and the Bucks came in and won seventeen ten. Now seventeen year old Andrew Mason back in Tampa was positively thrilled. My late Christmas gift, but everyone here was pissed. Oh, the, the Elway jersey got put in the closet for a long time. When did you wear it again? I can't even, I think 98. When I felt, or 97, when I thought they were good enough to withstand it. By that time, they had the new ones. But I, I wasn't, you know, I bought a Terrell Davis new one. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, uh, you know, what are you going to do? John ultimately signed that at his golf tournament one year. Oh, how nice. And so that's framed and up there. And Atwaters is framed and up there. So, Steve, the, the, to bring this back to the modern-day discussion, <laughs> uh, Steve got me one. He got it on his own for me because he knew I couldn't find it. And so I'm glad to hear that you'll be able to find – you know, look, I understand that you don't need to be able to get every player that the, that's ever pulled on the jersey, mm-hmm. you know, in a team's history. But I should be able to get a guy that's in your ring of fame and hopefully should go to the Hall of Fame. And I'm glad to know the Champ Baileys are back there. Well, I'm just looking now at the jerseys on the – Broncos shop, shop.denverbroncos.com if you don't know about it. There are a bunch of John Elways, orange, blue, now old school orange, blue, and white, old school white. You got a Champ Bailey, you've got a John Elway, another John Elway blue, some Trell Davises, a John Elway 1994 <laughs> throwback, an Elway Super Bowl 32 throwback. Wait, say that again. Super Bowl? Super Bowl 32. So it's got the patch on it. You went Dan Reeves on me. I'm sorry. Every now and again, Mason goes, you super bow. No L. <laughs> you like drop the L. You got your Southern thing going and you sound like Dan Reeves. Oh, now I've called me. you little Ditka, but frankly, you are more little Reeves than you are little Ditka. Oh, I appreciate that. That's a good comparison. Dan Reeves is a good man. I like Dan Reeves a lot. Dan Reeves. <laughs> you want to know why I like Dan Reeves? Here's the difference. And you'll appreciate this. The difference between the modern coach and, and the throwback coaches. I wanted to talk to Dan Reeves around draft time about, I don't know, just Elway, whatever, whatever we do around draft time, right? And Dan was like, well, you know what? I'm going to be fishing. Here's my cell phone, and as long as the fish aren't biting, I'll pick up. But if they're biting, I may not answer right at that moment. But he gave, the guy gave me his cell phone and let me interrupt his fishing trip to talk to him. We got him one day last season. It was before the Giants game because, of course, he – Coach the Broncos and coach the Giants. And the Giants are one of those organizations. It's kind of old school. A lot of people have been around. And Dan still knew people in that organization, in their front office, still does, I think. And we get a hold of him on the Friday before that game. 
and we can hear he's in the car and he's like, oh yeah, my wife's driving. We're running errands. <laughs> <laughs> you got to love Dan Reeves, they were man. On their, they were on their way from one store to the next and he's <laughs> just on the phone with us saying, hey, how are you? Are you taking a picture? I'm boomeranging you for Instagram. Oh, just so people know okay. we're doing the thing. All right. Tom Jackson, Rod Smith. These are also throwback jerseys. Really? Brian Dawkins. Well, Doc's a good one. I still got yeah. my Doc jersey. Yes. And I think he's a Hall of Famer, even though he's no more as an Eagles Hall of Famer. I think that's another one that won't go out of style. Shannon Sharp, you can wear that. Dennis Smith, old school orange that he wore. Really? Yes. No Steve Atwater available right now. All right. Well, that's a problem. Am I gonna? Am I going to have to... Am I going to have to have a temper tantrum out there? What are we going to do? We've, We're right next to the team store. There should be Atwater jerseys for sale in there. Do I need to go raise my voice? Yeah, the man works in this studio. It's Their neighbor is working here. There should be a framed Atwater jersey in this studio. I would agree. Now, which one would you want? Modern great white, question. blue, See, I was old gonna... school orange, old school white, or do you go for the 94 throwback? The 94th, is that the one with the When they wore the, the 60s blue, throwback yeah. with the blue stripes? Yeah, I'm not doing that. You see those pop up at the stadium all the time during games. Yeah, it's popular with a lot of folks, and that's fine. But but I remember the Broncos losing in those throwbacks, getting beaten by the Raiders in those throwbacks, oh. going to Buffalo and losing in those throwbacks. It was yeah. not a good time. No! It wasn't. You want to talk about bad days. That's stupid. I keep saying it, man. Tim Brown's still... Charles Dimry's yet to find where Tim Brown's running to this day. He still is yet to cover him. Charles Dimry, man. Atlanta, Denver, Tampa Bay. Seemed like a nice enough guy. Uh, yeah, I, I hope Mr. Dimry's having a nice life. I hope retirement's <laughs> treating you okay. You know, I hope there's no problems in your life. But that was a nightmare. That was a nightmare of a day. And you know what added injury to insult? Tim Brown was like a day away from becoming a Bronco. Because remember, that was when they had the restricted free agency. You had the seven-day offer sheets. The Broncos tried to go big, ultimately ended up signing Anthony Miller, but they took their first run at Tim Brown, and it looked like Tim Brown was going to come here. He was kind of having some beef with the Raiders organization, as I remember. Yes. Can't remember exactly what, but I'm sure it had to do with money. And the Raiders, I like, think, waited like six of the seven days. The Raiders let the Broncos, and, and a guy like myself who was just a fan – think that Tim Brown might become a Denver Bronco for John Elway to throw to, and uh, then they match the contract late. Bastard. Imagine what Tim Brown would have done if he'd come here and had John Elway throwing in the ball and was working in Mike Shanahan's offense. Aren't you pretty sure that Tim Brown's wondering what Tim Brown could have done? And we're talking about a guy who's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, already. It's like the uh, story from back in North Carolina. Norm Sloan coached NC State with David Thompson, Skywalker. Everyone knows him out here in Denver. Coached him to a national title the year before they literally went unbeaten but were on probation. And Norm Sloan in 1980 leaves. He goes to the University of Florida. And there's a common joke that was around North Carolina at the time that said, oh, man, you know, I'm sure glad they got Sloan out of there. And then the barber says, well, what are you talking about? The guy went unbeaten for a season, won a national title. Yeah, but imagine what Dean Smith could have done with that team. <laughs> Oh, Imagine what Tim Brown would have done with John Elway. Well, we all wonder. That's a heck of an alternate history right there. Everybody wonders what he would have done with Shanahan earlier in his career and maybe even mm -hmm. the first time. Remember, people forget, you know, Pat Bowen wanted Mike Shanahan when he ultimately hired Wade Phillips. And Mike will tell you, at least I've heard Mike say, 
in interviews that he wasn't ready for the job at the time. His stint with the 49ers was very important for forming the coach that he ultimately became as he came here and laid out the game plan for how the Broncos ultimately got their first Super Bowl. Organizationally and also just the game-to-game game plans that they had. The offensive philosophy from the Broncos of the 90s looked very similar to the 49ers teams that he worked with from 92 to 94. Good memories there. Good memories. There's another thing that happened with the 49ers with Shanahan there. Got Gary Kubiak back in the NFL as a coach. Nice. Okay. And that was key. Mm-hmm. Who ultimately came. Because he was the QB's coach, wasn't he, for Steve Young? Yeah. And then went on to Denver as offensive coordinator. A so, lot of things were set up by those three years that Mike had in San Francisco. So do we have a – this is random. Do we have a current 24 on the roster? I've no. been that's been stuck in my head since when was the last time they had a 24 champ so it's not been worn since then is that by design do you think I imagine it is does that number get retired I hope so I know the Broncos would rather honor than retire a lot of numbers but champ might be worth it although if you retire champ then do you have to retire Louis too Louis writes see the guy that I would think about retiring if you retire champ even though the number has been recirculated many times Shang Sharp Because in both cases, you are talking about players who are probably among the top five all-time at what they did. I think Shane Sharp is a top five all-time tight end. I think Champ Bailey is a top five all-time cornerback. To me, he's the best cornerback I've seen since Rod Woodson. Okay. Better than Deion Sanders, yes. No, I love Champ. People will argue that, but I I argue for Champ as a cover corner being superior to Deion Sanders. uh, Yeah. Well, he look, he was the all-around player. And I'm not— And he played the run. And Deion didn't play the run. Champ would stick his body in and make plays against the run. And, you know, the Broncos are still benefiting from that because a guy who really took notice of that was Chris Harris Jr. Yeah. He's one of the league's better corners against the run. I didn't. My hesitation wasn't because of champ. It was because I was trying to figure out: Do you put, do you retire? Then Terrell's number for what he did. But yeah. that's a tough discussion. Champ Bailey was a special player here, though, and I think it goes beyond just what he did on the field. I know Pat Bolin really loved Champ Bailey as a player. That champ meant a lot to him. How badly you talk about revisionist history? How badly do you wish you could have seen Champ Bailey with the kind of pass rush they have now in his prime? Oh my gosh. You know, where, where you didn't have time to make sure you were avoiding Champ, you just had to make a decision and try to throw. Because Champ would have baited you, right? Champ would have given the QB the window, and with this pass rush the way it comes sometimes, I don't know that all QBs would have realized they were thrown at him. I often think that if Champ could have just stayed healthy for a couple more years. Yeah, and he'd been, been on, on that the 15 team roster. In, 20, in 2015. Man. Hey, look, Super Bowl 48, no one likes to remember that game, but one thing I do remember is that week, Leading up to it, with the Broncos, they were, there was talk about two things. The offense, because it put up the ridiculous numbers, and winning it for champ. You know, and I think emotionally winning it for champ meant more would have meant more to the team than just the offense piling on another great day. It well, was a, it was about champ. And it wasn't winning it for Peyton, for those that can't remember, because Peyton is coming off this incredible year. And, and he's already like, won one. Yep. And if, it yeah. was win it for champ. I remember one of my most special moments in my career came after the AFC championship, you know, and that's when I used to do the interviews and they'd put them up on the big board that we just simulcast our mm-hmm. in-game, end-of-game interview. And I get Champ up there, and I didn't bug Champ too often. I mean, I, you know, Champ rarely told me no, but Champ also, I think, understood I'm not going to ask you. I, you know, I'll ask you when it's special. Yeah. And 
he agreed to go on and it, it was all it was nice because it was one of the times where Dave really gave me a compliment on the broadcast saying I've never heard Champ like that. You know, and Champ It all hit him right there. Yeah, and you know what you you feel now look, did I I don't even know if it was anything that I did other than happen to be the guy that was there, but you know how special it is when you get a guy and you can tell the walls are down and you're going to get the real, I mean, he just, you could just tell, as you said, how much it meant to him to finally get to go to a Super Bowl. And I think back the two previous years, 2011 and 2012, losing in the divisional round, and I remember talking to him after both of those games and the day after getting back here and you could feel the despair in oh. his voice. Like, am I ever going to get there? And he didn't say it like in those words, but you could hear that sentiment coming through. Am I ever going to make it? it that, you know, we keep coming close. We keep pushing the boulder up the mountain. Even though he played through 2013 hurt, your Jersey jinx. <laughs> he basically plays the AFC championship game on one foot. I think he played that game on pure adrenaline. And I'm still sad the Broncos didn't win it all for him. I am happy they did at least get to a Super Bowl while he was there. And hopefully at this time next year, we're talking about Hall of Famer Champ Bailey. Hopefully we're talking about Pat Bowen. And And Champ. And we're going to find out here in a week whether Pat Bowen is a Contributors Committee finalist for the Hall of Fame. But a Pat Bowen-Champ Bailey Hall of Fame class would be special. And look, I'm not just saying this because he's my on-air partner. I want to see Steve Atwater in there. I mean, first you got to get him back in the room as a finalist. But it's interesting how when you corner people and talk to them about Steve Atwater, there's not really a good argument for him not being in the Hall of Fame. Well, look, we could go on about that for a long time. I want to throw something at you since you brought it up. Yeah. And I don't want to hijack you here. But, I mean, what can we say? We want them, I'd love to see all three go in. They should go in next year. I think you and I know the chances of three members of the Broncos having Hall of Fame, you know, uh, enshrinements Aren't in one they year. owed this, though? Yeah, I'm not telling you you're wrong. Understanding <laughs> none of this am I saying that you're wrong. I think you're absolutely right. I just also know the odds, and they're not going to overdo it on one team. You know, they were worried about how many receivers they were going to put in at one point. So, uh, let me throw this at you, though, because you and I were talking before we started the podcast. Paxton Lynch, according to Vance Joseph, after the Tuesday press conference, Vance said Paxton wants to know why he got demoted. And you and I just got done talking about Champ Bailey, who all he wanted to do was get to the big game. Uh, you and I know he was hurting. The foot wasn't right. He wasn't who he wanted to be, but he kept grinding, and he gritted his teeth. And he wanted to make sure he was there for his team. And, and he they wanted needed to make him sure... because they lost Chris yep. to the ACL the week before. And we recall that game against San Diego. The moment Chris left, all of a sudden, Philip Rivers was throwing at Quentin Jammer, play after play after play. And you knew that if Jammer had to go back out there and play extensively in the AFC Championship, you knew where Tom Brady was oh, Tom Brady was, was going, going to go. look him up. Champ and... knew that even on one foot, his team needed him wouldn't you be fair to say look I'm not trying to pile on Paxton this week because I know it's been a hard enough week but when I hear that question being asked aloud I would say to Paxton you need to want to win like Champ wanted to win you need to want to keep the job the way Case Keenum plays like he doesn't want to lose the job and maybe Paxton does feel that way but it doesn't 
feel that way from the outside. If and, you feel that way, you're not showing it, I don't think. And instead of asking why, the question should be, what do I need to do to get it back? Well, and you could what start, do I, yeah, what do I need to do to get better? And it would start, in my mind, be the first one out of the building. Be the last one off the field. And, and throw, and throw with a purpose. Because again, when you look at Case Keenum, when you look at Chad Kelly, who I think has made great strides. Now, I will, I will say just a quick side caveat. I still want to see a veteran in here. I think Chad's made incredible growth, and I'm excited about his development. I want a veteran in here to ride out this season, though, and uh, just to be safe. But that said... Those guys are out there, and they're throwing with a per- – they're not just throwing. Chad, I saw on Tuesday, was throwing uh, routes where he, he kept telling his receivers, hey, I need you deeper. I want it right along the sideline. This is the throw I'm working on. I, I just don't – I don't see that kind of command out of Paxton right now. Did you see when Chad Kelly got thrown against the first-team defense for a period? They put him out there against Vaughn Miller – and Chris Harris Jr. All the dudes. All the Goliaths on that defense that will make your life a living hell. And look, it was a rough period for Chad Kelly. No but no doubt about it. It was the very epitome of trial by fire. You've got Von Miller closing in, Derek Wolf, Domata Pecco. Wasn't Chubb even in the mix? Chubb and Chris Harris Jr. got to Chad Kelly on, I believe it was the third play of that. But then he kind of works through it. The last play of that period mm-hmm. makes a play, looks downfield, finds his receiver. That's the kind of thing you want to see. He found Cortland Sutton. Andrew. For 36 yards. He knew he needed, you know what, you could see it because you were watching from above as you do. Mm-hmm. I'm watching from the side. And you could just see him figure it out. You know yeah. what I mean? He just decided, okay, I got no time here. So you know what I'm going to do? It, it, you could just feel it. I'm going to the man. And right now, Cortland's son is the man. When Throwing you need it a up play, and giving him a shot. Just give him a shot. That's all you got to do. And you could tell he decided, that's what I'm going to do. Well-placed football. Gave him a chance to outjump the corner, which he did. And ultimately just made a play. Just decided to make a play. But you could see in Kelly's, I could see in his body language from my angle where he was like, I'm not, this is not ending, I'm not ending the play with the ball in my hand. But he didn't get frustrated. He adjusted. Right, like, he okay, kept thinking it through. How do, okay, this is what they're doing. How do I adjust? How do I figure out, how do I make a play against these guys? Okay, Cortland Sutton, you know he's a guy who can win one-on-one battles. Let's give him a shot. Just get enough time to make that throw and Cortland Sutton, maybe he comes down with it, maybe he doesn't. That time he did. But that's the sort of response you need to have. Instead of being frustrated and putting his head down, Chad Kelly is, I'll make an, a Seinfeld allusion here. Do you remember when Kramer is betting on arrivals and departures? Yes. And after he was like, all right, go again, go again, go again. <laughs> This little bit of Chad Kelly. No, let's all right. You know what? That was a tough rep. Go again. I want to do it again. Let's go. Double down. So I'm going to share. I, I, I said this a little bit on the air. I'm going to share a story. I don't think it'll upset Rod because I think you know Rod knows where the media calls us the paparazzi. So I he I, still does, by the way. Oh, and he never will He's, quit. I've heard that term from him for sixteen. That's why I'm going to get him to fill in for Tyler. I think when Tyler goes out of town with the broadcast, so he can be part of the paparazzi too. And I'm going to let him know. But we talked the whole third quarter. On a, on Saturday night, 
And I was getting him laughing because I told him, you know, things were not looking good in the third quarter. And I said, Rod, here's what's going to happen. I can just feel it because it's just so Denver. I said, Chad Kelly's going to come in. They're going to get up 28-27. We're going to win the game. And the whole town's going to lose his mind and want Swag Kelly. And Rod Rod had the tweet ready to go. He was trying to send it, couldn't get service, where he just said, Andy KOA Sports just told me that they're somehow going to end up 28-27, and I'm not believing all this stuff. And then when it happened, I went back and I looked at him. Now, unfortunately for me, there was too much time in the game by the time my predicted score arrived on the scoreboard, and it didn't go our way. But anyway, Rod was telling me about, you know, he goes, look, man, I'd want to play with a Chad Kelly for this reason. And, and he wasn't saying Case wasn't this way. He feels Case has it too. But we, as you can imagine, we were talking about the distinct difference between the huddle with Paxton and the huddle with Chad. And he goes, you know what? There's an energy there. There's a belief there. I can feel the kid's cockiness from over here on the sideline. And he goes, that's that's quarterback I want to ride with. That's a quarterback I want to I want to play for. He just said, he said, the other guy, you know, he needs more of that. And we've all seen it. You know, and frankly, I'm not going to just pick on Paxton. You know how much I think of Trevor Simeon. And still one of my favorite guys that I covered just because we had a we had a good working relationship with my air quotes. And he's a good dude. He's a good dude. But even Trevor didn't have that kind of... Trevor doesn't have Chad's presence in the huddle. Guys respected him because he took a pounding and kept coming back. He was a and tough. And you could see that pregame. Yep. All the guys coming up to him. Demarius, Emmanuel... Matt Paradis, most of the offensive line, every guy that came up to him, they were giving him these big, big hugs. It's clear they had respect for the fact that he was a tough SOB. But that did not mean that they felt deep in their core that he was going to lead them down when they had to have it. Now, I think he could have developed it, and I think this, that, whatever. The bottom line was... I'd like to know what would have happened if Benny Fowler had caught that pass in Tennessee. I'm with you. I'm with you because he did deliver it. Look, to me, I And he I'll stepped still, out of the rush to deliver it, remember? Yeah, and I, I still to this day. But you know what? In fairness, Andrew, look, I'm not going to try to rewrite history. You no. and I saw it the other night. He was late on some throws. He still looks a little harried in the pocket. Some of the damage done last year to him mentally, I don't think he's still recovered from. Um, because we didn't see the perfect Trevor Simeon. Now, he also threw an incredible back shoulder fade mm-hmm. on Yadam down the sideline where it was just so well placed that what are you going to do? That but I mean, that's why Trevor Simeon's a good backup right now. Right? Maybe he could redevelop into a starter, but at the very least, he will deliver Minnesota what they need. If something happens to Kirk Cousins for four to six games, Trevor Simeon can come in and keep the boat afloat. Here's what I do know, and you tell me if you haven't noticed the same. What we see, well, the 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 things that we see in a huddle with a Case Keenum and a Chad Kelly, mm-hmm. we just have they just haven't really been there for a couple years. Yeah, it's very true, and. Every guy you talk to, whether you're asking about Case Keenum or you're asking about Chad Kelly, they will mention presence, command, energy. Some combination of those terms ends up coming up when you talk about those two quarterbacks. And certainly on Saturday with the energy with Chad Kelly, it wasn't just the huddle. As it started happening on the field, it became... The sideline, you saw you know, grizzled veterans getting fired up at this kid, slinging it around, and then the entire stadium. I mean, trying to recall the last time I heard a preseason crowd chant. You know when it was. Name. Are you going to say it? You know when it was. Do you want me to? Go ahead. You go ahead. You know when it was, and you brought it up. It was Tim Tebow. Yep. And people were chanting. But I'll be honest with you. I heard 
chance like that in the for preseason. Tim in the regular season. Right. I don't know that if we've witnessed anything like that because that that was not they a full building. They were chanting Tebow in remember Tebow Tebow in the Chargers game here right. when they were coming back in the second half. Right. And and Tim got a lot of the Tebow chance obviously yes. as things went well, but, but Chad Kelly's a better passer. No, I agree with you. <laughs> By miles. No I agree with Tim you. Tebow, but Chad Kelly is an NFL caliber passer. Now it's a question of whether the rest of the stuff in his game can come around. He's got to work on his presence in the pocket. Like, you know, some guys move too much. Sometimes Chad doesn't move enough. One play that I thought was promising in Tuesday's practice, and he it was very similar to what he did on Saturday night, but this was against a better defense going against the twos, was when it wasn't there, but he, he went through his progressions quickly. It wasn't there, and he made that decision to take off. He's able to go through his progressions at a pretty fast rate for a guy who basically in his, is in his first summer as an NFL quarterback. I did like that. I remember that play, too, even from the sidelines. It stood out to me because yeah. it's like I thought the rush was coming to swallow him, and he just squeezed through. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It but he like made that decision hole. quickly. Yep. I don't want him running all the time, but if you're going to run, I want you making that decision. Look at he split. Every coach wants that. He did that Saturday night, and then he did it again on Tuesday. And he slid down. Now, again, I, I can't emphasize enough that I, I'm, I'm very excited about the kid's development, as you can tell, and I think he's, he's worth a young prospect that you develop. But that he's said, not necessarily the number two right He's now. not ready to come in against Kansas City, no. possibly, because something's gone awry, and you've got to keep the season going. You could be off to a 2-1 start at that point, or whatever it would be, and all of a sudden, you need this game. And you and I know it. It's the divisional games where I can't afford any little thing. I can't afford it going south because a guy got injured. I can't afford to have a situation like we had a couple years ago where you're 4-0, and then you go to Atlanta, you have Atlanta rolling here, you're playing a backup quarterback, and you get steamrolled. You just can't have that happen. That's why I need a veteran guy in the mix. I need a veteran guy at this point, uh, whether it's a Teddy Bridgewater, whether you go get a Matt Moore via the free agency. I don't care how you find him. Just please go find someone for me that you know can keep the thing going. You know what I mean? Because, look, it's, it, Case has been great to watch during camp. But it, it's not like, you know, Case is Peyton Manning necessarily. I mean, you could go find a guy that could hopefully match enough of what Case is giving but you. Because... Average to pretty good might be good enough with the rest of this team. Thank you. I'm with you. Let me I'm not saying be Minnesota case where his rating was 98 plus. If he comes out of the season and his rating is, say, 90 or 91, somewhere in between what he was with the Rams and what he was in Minnesota, that might be good enough for this team to get where it wants to go. So let me ask you this. And I'm not worried, by the way, about the two possessions against Minnesota. I wish they looked different, but it is what it is. Small sample size. I'm, See, I'm not concerned at all. I mean, Peyton Manning could lead a couple of three and outs in a row from time to time. It happens. I'm not concerned about it based on what else I've seen on the practice field. Well, and here's the reason. I, I have said this to a few people. You and I know this. I, the fans know this. We, we react to what we see now, but the fans deep down know this. We've got a lot of good football fans in Broncos country. It's a chess game. And just because you took a pawn or maybe you got my knight, you haven't gotten the king. You haven't gotten checkmate. You never get checkmate in the first quarter in an NFL game. So, you know, that's why freaking out over preseason, you know, that it's just not. There's things we have to talk about because, you know what, we've got radio time to fill. But the reality, I'll just tell you point blank on this podcast, nothing's really going to worry me till we get to the regular season. I hope that, Now, I will say I hope trends don't continue. 
I hope Chicago doesn't run the way they ran the ball against the Broncos like Minnesota did on the first couple drives. Getting Todd Davis and Vaughn Miller back in the lineup might help that. Oh, I'm sure it will. I mean, look, I don't know. Whether you like the excuses or not, the reality is this team has not done a lot of tackling. And it was a hot Saturday night, and they just didn't look ready to go into tackle mode. I don't know why. You know, it's a preseason. I don't know what it was. But, you know, as the game went along, they kind of ramped it up, and things got going again. Again, nothing's decided in a first half of a first quarter, much less the first quarter. And that's basically all we saw. You don't know how they would have countered. You don't know how they would have adjusted. And the Broncos, I was warned ahead of time by someone in the know, you are going to see about as basic as you can this whole way. They've got stuff up their sleeve. They're not showing it to anybody in the preseason. Can you blame them? No. not with. I think with what you and I believe they're going to unroll with certain guys, no. We're not letting you know it's coming. We're not going to give you a chance to even try start to figure it out. Because I will tell for the fans that didn't make it out to practice, the fans that made it out to practice should know this. What we saw on Saturday night looks nothing like what they're doing in practice. And we're not going to give it away, but the bottom line is what you saw is not what we've been seeing at points in practice when they've gotten a little creative. So you can go ahead and take all this tape and burn it because that's not what you're going to see against Seattle. Right? What do they got to prove? What is What good does it do to show you that we're okay in a preseason game? Nothing. You saw what 4-0 did last year. Yeah, nothing. Broncos went 4-0. The Browns went 4-0 in the preseason yeah, last year. and that's the last time they said they ain't kind of winning fun, right? What's amazing is that the Browns have a five-game winning streak in the preseason going into this week. So literally, they have more wins in their last five preseason games than in their last... 16, 32, 48, I believe 53 regular season games. Oh, it's gotten to the point outside of 2005 in which I think they had a good preseason too. I've gotten to the point where I root for a loss in the preseason because normally a win, an undefeated Broncos team in the preseason, usually you can go back and check mm -hmm. the records because you're the man. But I've just had a few people I feel like in my career made me aware of when you go undefeated, it doesn't mean good things in the regular season. So you know what? It's good. I want to see three and one or two and two. Honestly, I don't want to see 4-0 because, again, I think sometimes it can give you a false sense of security. I don't want to see 0-4. No. I remember one team that I covered, the 0-9 Panthers. They were coming off of that horrific playoff loss to Arizona. And they come out in the preseason, they go 0-4. And they go in week one against Philadelphia at home, and they lay a freaking Tyrannosaur egg. And they're 0-3 before they wake up and figure it out, and they end up going 8-5 and the rest of the way. By the end of the season, they were a pretty good team, but they had dug themselves a hole, and it was clear in the preseason that things were going wrong, that it wasn't clicking, and it carried over in the regular season. That's why I don't want to see 0-4. Okay, of course, so that being said, the 1982 Redskins went 0-4 in the preseason, turned around, went 8-1 in the straight short and regular season, won Super Bowls. So who the hell knows? I'm with you. Well, look, the preseason has gotten so I don't know what we're taking from it anyway. I, I gotta, I gotta get this from you before we run. What, what do you want to see? What's your most important thing changed this week against the Bears? What's the one? Because we can't sweep everything away, and I'm not gonna freak out about everything. But what's the one improvement you want to see? Just to feel like you know, okay, we that that wasn't something to be concerned about. The run defense, uh, maybe a couple first down. What is it for you? I want to see a bad play isolated, and that's it. Okay. For example, you have a false start. Okay, that's fine. You're in second and 10, but 
it seemed like that sort of put the offense down the wrong path, and they gained three yards on a run on the next play, incomplete pass, punt. Similarly, on the defensive side, you have a 21-yard run by Latavius Murray followed immediately by a 20-yard run. I want bad plays, whether it's a, a mistake in terms of a penalty, you know, a, a mental mistake, a missed tackle, whatever. I want it to be isolated. I don't want it to become contagious and spread and persist because that, I think, was a big problem last year, that one miscue would become 10. And the Broncos would get in this vortex, and they couldn't get out of it. And that's what I want to see. I want to see if, if there's a miscue, a mistake. You know what? It happens. But the play's over. The moment's over. You're on to the next moment. So good or bad, as Crash Davis told Newt Lelouch after he had a great inning, he comes back to the dugout, and Nuke says, can I enjoy the moment? The moment's over. Good or bad, the moment's over. You're on to the next thing. See, I couldn't agree more, especially offensively. You cannot let a setback on early downs crush you. Now, you take a third and five and make it a third and 15 because of holding, it's going to be tough for a lot of offenses to overcome. But if it's second and, like you said, when it becomes second and 10, don't let that be the end of the drive. Keep going forward. Go pick up a few more yards. Get back into a third manageable. Don't hang your head. You know, now unfortunately, it was mainly happening with a certain quarterback in there. Uh, The changes have been made. We'll see how they fight. We'll, we'll see how they fight. We'll find out. Saturday night, Chicago Bears at Broncos Stadium at Mile High, 7 p.m. Coverage on television on My 20, other stations throughout the Rocky Mountain region, KOA AM 850-941 FM and the Broncos Radio Network. Pre-game show Orange and Blue 760 as well as on KOA starting at 5 p.m. on Saturday. Hope you'll join us for all of it. For Andy Lindahl, I'm Andrew Mason. We'll talk to you next time. This has been another edition of Horsin' Around with Broncos insider Andrew Mason. Check out Mace on DenverBroncos.com and weekday mornings at 10 with Steve Atwater and Ryan Edwards. That's how we get it done. We'll see you next time on Horsin' Around.